If you haven't been with us for the last few weeks, and really since uh, Resurrection Sunday, Easter Sunday, is that we've been kind of looking, we have been looking more in depth at the Holy Spirit. Because what Jesus did when He went away, or before He went away, He told the disciples to go and wait for the promise. And he says, when the promise comes, you will receive power, then you will be my witnesses to all the world. And it's kind of like an instruction that so often, or a task we've been given. Can you imagine if somebody came up to you and said, hey, I want you to do such and such. Here are the tools and walk away. And you see, so then, if you're like me, I just go to work and make a mess of everything. Or if you're like some of you, and I've talked about this before, you read through all the instructions, but what if there is no instruction? You're left to your own device. You're just left to live out a life that you don't really understand because you've been given tools, you've been given a task, but there's no instructions. And so you go about it and you don't really know what you're doing. You become frustrated. After time, you become weak. And then after time, you forget about the task altogether because the tools and the task mean nothing without instruction. And you see, Jesus promised the disciples, He promised His believers that He had given us a task. He'd given us all the tools that we would need But he also gave us an instruction. So we're not left to blindly live this life on our own or in our own uh, uh, power, our own strength. And actually the Bible says it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. So that means no matter what I can muster this morning... No matter what I can muster in life, stronger, work out more, whatever I do, it is still not enough to do what we call this Christian life. We need Jesus. We need the promise of the Holy Spirit coming and living inside of us. And as we've... uh, preached and talked about the last couple weeks, we were looking at the Old Testament. And if you remember, I talked about Moses. How when Moses came, the people complained and they wanted this and that. And he's, he brought um, the 70 elders together, which is really cool. And God says, I'm going to take from you the spirit that is on you and I'm going to give it to the 70. And then we see that when he gave it to the 70, it fell. They began to prophesy. But there were two that didn't come to the camp, didn't come to the tent. And they were in the camp prophesying. And then one of the servants of Moses came and said, Moses, stop. There's two that are prophesying. They're really full of the spirit. Moses says, are you jealous for me? And then Moses prophesies, I believe it's a prophecy of the future. And he says, I wish that all of them were given the Holy Spirit. And I think it was a foreshadow of what was coming to all believers. And so we begin to open that up. And as I thought about this this week, is any time the Holy Spirit shows up and God's presence shows up, we sing about it, right? A party ensues soon afterward. Some of you have been in those parties. 
And the presence of God has been so powerful and they, just things kind of erupt and things get pretty cold. People get happy. That's what happens when the presence of God shows up. And we see it in the Old Testament. And then last week we talked about where God is consistent from the Old Testament to the New Testament. We don't just cut off at the the New Testament and say the old is for the old and the new is for the new. We put it all together and we begin to see who God truly is and His character throughout history. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so when we look at the Old Testament and how the Holy Spirit moved, it is very consistent to what we see it moving today, except the only distinction is it wasn't just for a few people. Now it is for everybody. And so last week we looked at the life of King Saul and a little bit of Samson and David. When the Holy Spirit came on King Saul, he was transformed. Now he grieved the Holy Spirit, we realize that, and he sinned and was very weak and had a very disgraceful outcome. But still we see that the Holy Spirit was there working, was there since creation, working in the lives of people. And so we're no different this week as we begin now to shift to the Old Testament or the New Testament. And we see that when Jesus was baptized, the Holy Spirit came and stayed upon Jesus. And this is how John the Baptist knew who the Messiah was, the coming one, is when he would see the Holy Spirit descend according to the Word of God and stay on him. That would be the Messiah. That would be the one who is coming. And so we find ourselves today, and we'll be looking at three distinct parts of the Holy Spirit. The one who comes alongside us, a helper, an advocate, and we'll talk about that a little bit. The Holy Spirit reveals the Father to us and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And I feel like this is really a dire importance. Like if I could scream it from the rooftop, the Holy Spirit needs to be preached and needs to be talked about more today than I believe it ever has been because we can do nothing outside of the power of the Spirit. You see, I could talk up here and give you intellectual wisdom, but it is not enough for you. You can only be drawn to Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. Although we study, we look, and we make sure we study to show ourselves approved, but it is the power of God that comes and reveals Christ to us. And if you remember your salvation experience, it was nothing that you did. And I will talk about that. Because it is nothing that we have earned. God showed up. Throughout the Bible, God just shows up in miraculous ways when people were unexpecting Him to show up. But Jesus said something's going to show up, and you should be expecting it. So let's look at John 14, verses 15 through 26. And I'll try to go through and kind of condense some Scripture so that we're not here too long especially since it's first Sunday and we have children with us. But let's read. John 15, sorry, John 14, verses 15 and 17, through 17. If you love me, you will keep my commands. 
And I will ask the Father, and He will give you another counselor to be with you forever. He is the Spirit of truth. The world is unable to receive Him because it doesn't see Him or know Him. But you know Him because He remains with you and will be in you. And I want to camp here just for a moment and to stop and realize what this word comforter, counselor, it depends on what translation you're reading is what you will get, but it encompasses all these things. What is the the Greek word is paraclete. And so when you see Jesus says that I will give you another counselor, he's saying I will give you one who has come beside you to aid you, one who advocates for another. And it's interesting, the same word that's used here for counselor is the same word that is used for Jesus in 1 John chapter 1 and chapter 2, where if you sin, you have an advocate with the Father. Same word. And so Jesus is saying that I will ask the Father and He is going to send somebody who will come alongside you and aid you. That means you don't have to live this life aimlessly or powerless. And if you look at verse 15, it always smacks us right in the face and says, if you love me, you will keep my commands. And you see, true love manifests itself in willing obedience. Let me repeat that. True love manifests itself in willing obedience. So when Christ says, if you love me, you will keep my commands, He's saying what He means. And I want you to be encouraged this morning. We love, the only reason we know how to Love is because He first loved us. Without His love shedding and being brought into our hearts, we don't know true love. The world can only give so much love. But Christ has given us His all. And then it says the comforter, the counselor, the advocate would be with you forever. What a promise. He's not going anywhere. He is going to stay right here with us. He is the Spirit of truth. You see, in 1 Corinthians also, it says this in chapter 2, verses 10 through 20. 10 through 12. I am going to try to get my bearings about me this morning. You've gotten there faster because you've got it on your screen. Verse 10 through 12 says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Now God has revealed these things to us by the Spirit. Since the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thought except his Spirit within him? And you know, for some of you this morning is this is a good verse for you. Because oftentimes I think, oh my goodness, if only somebody could see what is in my heart and see what's going on inside of me, I would be undone. I want you to know that nobody knows what's going on inside you. 
So just kind of rest easy this morning. You're in a church of people that love Jesus, and we know we are striving to be more like him. But we also know that we're not perfect. So it's just the same way with the Spirit of God. It goes on and says, in the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who comes from God, so that we may understand what has been freely given to us by God. And then it goes on to say that the world cannot know the Spirit that we're talking about. And so I often wonder is, what are we doing? And what is our purpose oftentimes? When we declare the gospel and when we declare and we go out and testify of the goodness of God and how we complicate it. But I want you to know that Christ has given us a helper to live life and it is something that the world cannot and will not understand. And that's why I think it's time for us to pray and to ask God to reveal Himself to the world. Because oftentimes we think that church is attracting a mass crowd when really what church is for is to equip the saints to encourage one another to do the good work and to go out and to minister the gospel of Jesus Christ to a dying world. And one of the things that I believe that block the empowerment and the gift of the Holy Spirit is that we truly haven't died to ourselves. As I was reading a book this morning or this week on the indwelling of the Holy Spirit by Andrew Murray, he lays out a very convicting chapter of saying why he feels in today's society The Holy Spirit hasn't had more power. And he begins to say, because people aren't dying to self. And I I look at the chapter and I become convicted. I'm like, I know what he's talking about. Because self always wants to perpetuate itself, bring itself to the forefront. And yet Christ has called me to die to self. Is it not Christ who said this? If anyone follows me, if he wants to follow me, he must deny himself. That's first, deny yourself. Second is that you must pick up your cross. And then third is follow me. But I think we live in a society and we are taught that it's me first. And so to say that I must die to self is one of the hardest, most impossible things that I'm calling you to do today. Die to yourself. But listen, an impossible task is only made possible through the gift of God to his children. You see, when I look at the word impossible, I turn right to who God is. With God, all things are possible. 
And so although I know I live in this flesh and I struggle in this flesh, God has given me a gift to wake up in the morning and say, Lord, I am crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. And so we have a hope. And God has promised us that He was going to give us a counselor to help us live a life holy unto Him. Point number two is the Holy Spirit reveals the Father and the Son. So let's read on in John 14, 18. I will not leave you as orphans. I am coming to you. In a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Because I live, you will live too. And I want you to know that Christ is saying here that He is coming back. He is going to return. But when He begins to talk more, and He says, because I live, you will live. And then He also says, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. How many of you have seen Jesus Christ in the flesh? None of us. How many Have you seen Jesus Christ in the Spirit? Isn't it strange? Now what do I mean by that? Do you see a visual? No. But it's interesting when the Spirit comes, is that all of a sudden I am connected with Jesus Christ and He is my friend. He is my Savior. He is my Lord. And so although the world doesn't understand this, I understand it that me and Jesus are like this, if I can say that. I don't know if that's something, but we're this close. And although I've never seen Him, I know Him. And you know Him too. But it's not because you've become wise. It's not because you've been studied. It's because the Spirit has come and revealed the Son to you. And you're not orphans. And this is the greatest hope for the fatherless. This is the greatest hope for the widow and the widower that you are not alone, that God is with you. And He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Let's read on. Verse 21, it goes on to say, The one who has my commands, keeps them, is the one who loves me. We can't get past this point, that if you are not following Christ, and if you are not doing what He tells us to do, we need to check ourselves at the door. And to ask, am I truly a follower of Christ? And it goes on to say, And the one who loves me will be loved by my Father. I also will love him and will reveal myself to him. And Judas, not Iscariot, asked a very good question that if we were thoughtful, we would ask the same question. Lord, how is it you're going to reveal yourself to us and not to the world? And I want to go to 1 John uh, Chapter 4, verses 1-6 through real quick. Because this says it all. And if you want to know more about this, go to 1 John later on and read the book of 1 John. 
It really lays out a lot for us. But it says this. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see if they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses Jesus Christ has come and come in the flesh is from God. This will be very important for us later, and we will see it. But every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming, and even now is already in the world. So I don't want to confuse you, but the spirit of the Antichrist has been here since Christ has left. And it goes on to say, You are from God, little children. And you have conquered them. Because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. You see, we can't say this without the Holy Spirit indwelling in the believer. That we have something in us that is greater than the Spirit of the world. The Spirit of God lives in us if we confess Christ as who He is. And verse 5 goes on to say, They are from the world, therefore what they say is from the world, and the world listens to them. You see, the world is not going to listen to us until the Spirit of God begins to move in the hearts of an unbeliever. And so verse 6 goes on to say, We are from God. Anyone who knows God listens to us. Anyone who is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of deception. So listen, just for a moment. This is not affirming, that scripture isn't affirming or confirming the preacher, but it's saying that the word of God is true. And those who listen and abide in God's Word and abide in Christ are from God and they have the Spirit of God dwelling in them. They are different from the world. And we are not to live as the world lives. And so we'll go back to John 14, verse 23. And again he says this more as he's answering the question from Judas, not Iscariot. Jesus answered, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. My Father will love him and will come to him and make our home with him. The one who doesn't love me will not keep my words. The one that you hear is not mine, but is from the Father who sent me. So Jesus is proclaiming the words of the Father. And then he goes on, I have spoken these things to you while I remain with you. But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have told you. You see, there's something about the Holy Spirit dwelling in the heart of God's disciples. God's follower. You see, today, I really don't have anything to worry about. 
Why do I not have anything to worry about? Because at the right time when I need God's Word, He is going to bring it to my attention because it says, The Spirit whom I send will remind you of everything I've taught you. And what he's saying to the disciples to put it into context is, I'm going. And you know, we realize when we're looking back at the Gospels that they didn't understand everything that Jesus was teaching them. And it wasn't until Jesus breathed on them, gave them the power of the Holy Spirit that stayed on them, that they began to realize. And when they realized the truth that Christ had revealed to them, what happened? The world was changed. You see, we don't think about this very often, but you are the result of the Holy Spirit coming in power. If it hadn't, and He hadn't come, we would not be here today. And Leon Morris says this in a quote, The Spirit is to bring to light the truth of the revelation of Jesus in His Word and deed and death and resurrection. The Spirit is to bring to light the truth of the revelation of Jesus in His Word and deed and death and resurrection. And sometimes we wonder why the world doesn't get this message. Sometimes we wonder why when we're sharing Christ with others that it's just like they have a veil over their face, which is what the Bible says. And until that veil is parted, they won't understand. But here's the thing for us. As we are called to go out and to be His witnesses, is that we have this distinct power and a spirit that isn't from the world that when we witness, we are witnessing in power. And by the authority of Christ that He has given us, and by the power of the Spirit. It's a promise for the believer. And the third point this morning is going to be the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And this is going to be a lot of Scripture, but we're going to read it and we're going to get through it. And I'm going to pull out a couple points that I think is very important for us to realize this morning. It says, when the counselor comes, and we won't have it on the screen this morning, so you either have to go to your phones or your Bibles, because it's a lot of Scripture, and the sound guy was too lazy to put it on there. Just kidding, Josh. Didn't mean to throw you under the bus. (laughs) Just joking. When the counselor comes, the one I will send to you from the Father... The Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, He will testify about me. You also will testify because you have been with me from the beginning. And it is quite interesting that my relationship with Christ, and I pray that your relationship with Christ is just the same, is there's just something about like I have felt like I've known Jesus forever. I haven't. But because He has revealed Himself to us through the Holy Spirit, we know Him. And for some of you, it's something the world cannot steal away from you. Even if somebody was to look you in the eyes and say, this is all false, you would look to Him as if He was a fool. And it's okay because He looks at you like you're a fool. 
We're all fools. And the cross of Christ is foolishness to the perishing. He goes on to say, I've told you these things to keep you from stumbling. They will ban you from the synagogues. In fact, a time is coming when anyone who kills you will think he is offering service to God. They will do these things because they haven't known the Father or me. But I have told you these things so that when their time comes, you will remember I told them to you. I didn't tell you these things from the beginning because I was with you. But now I am going away to Him who sent me, and not one of you asked me, where are you going? Yet because I have spoken these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I am telling you the truth. It is for your benefit that I go away. Because if I don't go away, the Counselor will not come to you. If I go, I will send Him to you. You see, it's a good thing that Christ came. He died on the cross and He was resurrected on the third day. Because that's when the Holy Spirit would come in power. And then he goes on in verse 8, when he comes, he will convict the world about sin, righteousness, and judgment. He goes on in verse 9, he says, about sin because they do not believe in me. And I was taken aback a little bit yesterday as I was reading through and praying through the message. I look at this word, when he comes, he will convict the world about sin. And this word convict is he will expose, refute, convince, and convey a message. But what is the sin of the world? Oftentimes, I look at sin as particular actions and different things that I do and what I don't do. And I will talk about that in just a moment. But the sin of the world is made very plain to us. And the sin is because they do not believe in me. The world is condemned. Let's go to John 3.16. We all know this, but I think it's important for us to understand it. It's important for me anyway, so I want to share with you what I feel God spoke to me. We all know this verse, for God so loved the world in this way. He gave His one and only Son so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. Then it goes on to say, anyone who believes in Him is not condemned. But anyone who does not believe is already condemned because he has not believed in the name of the one and only Son of God. That's the judgment. 
It's not your actions. It's not what you do and what you don't do. It is do you believe that Jesus is the Christ sent from God? That's the sin of the world. And then it goes on to say in verse 19 of John 3, this is the judgment. The light has come into the world. The people love darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and avoids it so that his deeds may not be exposed, so that he may not be convicted. But anyone who believes, who lives by the truth, comes to the light so that his work may be shown to be accomplished by God. So this is an exclusive message this morning. The world is condemned. Not because of actions and attitudes, although we all fall short of the glory of God, but because they have not believed in the atoning work of Jesus Christ on the cross for their sins. And I was thinking about this. And I believe in the sanctification of the believer. But so often I have to personally admit to you that I get the lines very blurred between sanctification, the purification of the believer and the sin of the world. And so often I preach hard and I preach a very, hopefully a convicting message about the lives of the believer. But there's a difference. When the believer has come to Christ, there's something else that takes place, and that is what I would call sanctification. What does sanctification mean? It's a word that I know since I've been here that I don't use it very often, but I cut my teeth on it as a new believer. It's a term meaning being made holy or purified. It is broadly of the whole Christian, it is used broadly of the whole Christian experience. Though most theologians prefer to use it in a restricted sense to distinguish it from the related terms such as regeneration, justification, and glorification. What does all that mean? I don't know. Go figure it out. What does it mean? that if you have accepted the atonement of Christ, you are not condemned. You can do nothing to earn your salvation. But I want you to know, and I will preach this till I die, maybe, I will, is the purification and the sanctification of the believer. But there's a difference And I don't know if I'm making the difference very clear. But we'll trust the Holy Spirit is speaking, using a very earthen clay as myself to to preach a very good gospel. If the world is condemned because they don't believe in the one and only Son, what does that matter to you? What does it matter to me? Does it matter? It does matter, doesn't it? What are we doing about it, though? What are we doing about 
the aspect the world is being condemned because they don't believe in Jesus. This is where you and I come and where we need to go to the marketplace. We need to go to our friends. We need to go to our families. Not preach a complicated good news, but just preach the good news. But you see, we can't do it on our own. We need the indwelling and the filling of the Holy Spirit to go out and to testify of who this Jesus is. And then it goes on to say, so verse 9 says, about sin because they do not believe in me. That's established. About righteousness because I am going to the Father and you will no longer see me. See, we don't understand totally and fully. It's almost a mystery. But Christ, when He went up to be at the right hand of the Father, He fulfilled righteousness because He could not have went there if He was with sin. And the Holy Spirit has come to reveal this to us. And he says, I'm going to the Father, you will no longer see me. And then he goes on in verse 11, and about judgment because the ruler of this world has been judged. What he's saying is here is the ruler, the God of this age has no hold on me. And he is judged. Then it goes on to say, and I'll end here, I still have many things to tell you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. For He will not speak on His own, but He will speak whatever He hears. He will also declare to you what is to come. He will glorify Me, because He will take from what is Mine and declare it to you. Everything the Father has is Mine. That is why I told you that He takes from what is Mine and will declare it to you. Now I know there's a lot of complicated little nuances going on there, but I just want to say this. When the Spirit comes, He will guide us into all truth. He will only speak what He hears. He will declare what is to come. And He will glorify Christ. He will take what is Christ and declare it to you. He will bring back to remembrance all that you have learned from Christ. And so I ask this morning, is if you experience the... I don't know how else to say it. Have you experienced the Holy Spirit? You see, we've talked about the Holy Spirit coming in power, transforming our lives. And I believe it does. He does. But is He still revealing Christ to you? I think what happens so often is that we're just living life and we're going about it. And the song that they sung this morning, let us be more aware of your presence. And what I wanted to do for us this morning is say, remember the Holy Spirit, if you are a believer, He dwells in you. And it makes a difference. 
So when you're going about your everyday, ordinary life, I want you to remember this week that there is a power that resides in you that wants to speak to you, wants to reveal Christ to you, and wants to share Christ with the world. And you're not alone. So as the worship team comes this morning, We're working up to a point. In two weeks, it's going to be Pentecost Sunday. And I really like fireworks. That's just the way I am. I like excitement. and I love to come to church and be excited. I'm an excitable type of person. But we're building up to something. In two weeks, we're going to have Pentecostal Sunday. Pentecost Sunday. Where we're going to do worship and praying for one another. But I wanted us to see who the Holy Spirit is, see His working so that we understand if He's truly dwelling in the fullness in our lives. Because it says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of Christ. And so the things that I'm proclaiming to you today from the Word, let's see if it's actually moving in our hearts. See if we're actually living a life that is holy and pleasing unto God. So this morning, as we think about that, I hope I was, I was able to whet your appetite. And next week, we're going to do, and we're going to see what happens when the power comes in Acts. It's pretty cool. When the Holy Spirit shows up in a congregation, atmosphere changes, lives change, we begin to see people come to Jesus. We begin to see hearts that were hardened actually get soft and lives transformed. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of not seeing lives changed. I'm tired of us coming in these doors and leaving the same way only to wonder why am I still struggling? Why hasn't my things changed? And I'm not talking about the normal struggles. I'm talking about our spiritual state when we know there's more. So that's what we're longing for. So this morning is Communion Sunday and I asked our elder Dave to come and lead us. So as we're doing communion, just be mindful as he leads us. Just be mindful of the Holy Spirit this morning.